everyone. Before we open the Word of God, let's ask, let's ask God to take over this morning. Let's ask God to be the power that we are so dependent on. Father, we come before you this morning. We come before you as empty vessels, Father. May it be your power supply. May it be your wisdom. May it be your grace and your mercy that we are so dependent on. May our faith this morning be childlike. May we be hanging on your every word, not on anything that I say or anything that I do this morning, Father God. I'm included in this, Lord. I call upon you this morning. May you take over. May every word that is heard this morning, may every message that is delivered this morning be given from you, Father. So as I decrease, I pray, Father, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would come into this place this morning and that you would take over and that you would be seen to be glorious, that you would be seen to be the almighty God that you so are. So, Father, as I close, I just pray for every man, woman, and child here today. I ask that you would prepare their hearts and minds, ready to receive your message. We pray that you would remove anything of the world, that the minds, the, the roundabouts that sometimes are clogged up with stuff in our minds, Lord, that you would empty those roundabouts, Lord, and that it would come to rest. Please prepare our hearts as we get ready to receive your word. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, our Bible reading today, as you, you heard, if I could have it up on the screen, please, uh, is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, a cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out, meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of you, for, for, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins were ready. Uh, the virgins who were ready went into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.
Okay. This particular parable has, in, in my opinion, has often been um, pulled apart a little bit too much. Or you could say too much has been added to it. It's been pressed and pulled apart and people are looking for stuff that really I think there's, it, it's, it's not speaking about. So today I want to take you through it nice and slowly. And I don't want to add stuff or, or push stuff that I think doesn't really need to be touched on. You know, some, sometimes when I, now and again, when I say to Becky, you know, don't, don't worry about that, I, I'm going to cook today. Or when the sun comes out and us men decide to have a barbecue, sometimes I can, when it comes to seasoning the food and getting all the condiments out and the herbs and the spices, I can add a bit too much. I can get a little bit carried away and I can end up ruining it. In fact, when I spoke to Tommy in the week, he said to me, Grant, I'm having a, a barbecue as soon as the sun comes out. He said, and you don't have to cook this time because I cooked last year. He said, I'm going to cook. I said, that's great news. He said, Grant, and you're invited. I said, thank you very much. He said, but do me a favour. On your way round, make sure you buy a pack of Rennies. He said, because by the time I've finished up with it, most of it will probably be un- inedible, and the stuff that is is going to give you serious heartburn. You know, and sometimes handling the scriptures can be a little bit like that. You know, we can look for stuff, add a bit too much, and by the time those that are listening have walked away, they haven't really got the gist of what the message is about. And I think when Jesus is telling this parable here, this is really a parable about watchfulness. And that is really the main message that Jesus is trying to get through. I don't think too much weight, in my opinion, needs to be placed on the numbers, the, the, the ten bridesmaids and the, the five and five and, 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 and similar things like that. So, so let's go through it slowly and see how we get on. It starts quite simply by saying, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So straight away, it's just talking about ten virgins. It's simply, I think we just need to split it up. Five who were wise and five who were foolish. Then verses there, this, this, this parable here is also re- referring to Christians that are within the church. Some that confess to be Christians and some that actually are true Christians. Some that are sincere and some that are insincere. So really, there's no weight here need to be added on the number. You don't need to panic in any way that one half is false Christians and the other half are true Christians, or, 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 or any which way. I don't want to point to one particular side. Okay, This is just simply Jesus telling a simple story, and he's used that ten to get a number there. And then we move forward. F- five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars with their lamps. You see, as Christians, um, you know, we could all walk around in, in one respect, carrying that lamp, having an appearance that we are believers, that we are sincere. But when that time comes, because this Bible is talking about the return of Jesus Christ, when that time comes, how many of us will have oil in our lamps? How many of us would have had that 
relationship with God, that interaction with Father, the power of the Holy Spirit that has been working in our lives, that that oil, I believe, is referring to. It then goes on to say that the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now these two points that are here, I think, are really important. Often people rush through these. The bridegroom in here is a referral to, to Jesus. I think it's fair to say that the, the, the bridegroom here um, is referring to that of Jesus Christ. And in these verses here, it says he was a long time in coming. Now that is a good illustration of, of Christ's return. In God's eyes, he's not a long time in coming. In Jesus' terms... Someone who is out of time and space now is not a long time coming. But to us down here on earth, you know, the men, people in the world would, would, would probably mock the fact that the Bible tells you that he's, he's coming soon, that his return won't be far away. And they'll often mock you about that and tell you that 2,000 years, really? What, and you're still waiting, you're still believing 2,000 years later. But what you've got to remember is that the Bible tells us um, that our lives will be like grass and, and flowers and that we will wither away, you know, and, and grass and flowers, they come and they go and we will come and go. But in God's eyes, in God's timing, 2,000 years is, is not very long at all. So I just want to strengthen that point there and get that over to you, that the bridegroom was a long time in coming for us. Okay? That is... Maybe something to, to test the world's faith, to, to just give us the opportunity for the, word, for the word to go round. For enough time for the whole world to hear the gospel. There's many things there that you can pull out of that. But what, whilst we're there, just staying on that, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. That return, that is what this parable is, is trying to teach you about, is the return. Firstly, it's talking, telling you to be watchful. But the reason why it's telling you to be watchful is because of the return of Jesus Christ. You see, there's been many returns over the years. There's been some big returns in, in the world of soaps. People have left the soaps and then they've returned. And, you know, it's, it's been the talk of the town. You know, oh, you can't believe it was back in EastEnders or Emmerdale. You know, I can't give you any names because I, I don't really watch them soaps. You know, and there's been some football managers that have, uh, that have left teams and come back. There's been some huge returns, players that have gone away and come back. And I know my dad was one of those people that was pleased to see certain managers come back to certain teams. But there's going to be a return one day that is going to be like no other. And that is the return of Jesus Christ. And that is what these, this parable here is telling us about. This parable is telling us to be watchful, to be ready. And I just want to jump through to that last verse. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I want you to bear that in mind as we just go through these last few verses of the scriptures. You see, the virgins, I think they represent the visible church. Some were wise, some were foolish, you know. 
And I think that they, they have a real connection with the church nowadays. You know, all of those virgins, they attended. You know? Many of us, we attend week by week. They carried the lamp. It's not a reference to that, but we walk around with our Bibles in our hands. We confess to be full-time believers, some of us. Please don't take offence if this is, you know, not your, not your thoughts of where you are. But I'm talking to those that this applies to. Maybe it applies to all of us. They talk the talk, these ten virgins. They were in a, a group of ten. Their appearance may have all seemed the same. Many of us appear that we talk the talk and we walk the walk. And that's what you have to understand this morning, that this parable here is telling us that there are many of us that although we look the part, although we may be giving that false outward look that we are true believers, these parables tell us here that there are a few of us here today that just won't cut the mustard, that won't make it in, simply down because of the relationship that we have with Jesus. As we move on in these scriptures, it says the bridegroom was a long time coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Again, this is a really important part of the scriptures. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. You see, some people take that as a negative. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. But that is normal life. These are a reference to the church nowadays, these ten virgins. And the, the, the reference to being drowsy and falling asleep is a positive thing. We need to fall asleep. We need to sleep. We need to rest. And I think this is what this is referring to here. You know, this is a, a sign that these are normal people doing normal things. And we are encouraged to get rest. We are instructed to get rest and to sleep. For it, you are able to better serve by resting and by sleeping. If you're sitting up all night and you're not resting and you're not sleeping, you're not going to bed at the right hour. How can you the next day be in that best position to serve God? How can you be ready? How can you be watchful? I know in my own walk and my own life that when I've gone um, through periods where I'm not resting, I'm not sleeping, I'm not going to bed on time, I find that it affects my faith, it affects my walk. So I think it's important just to hold on to, to those bits there. As we move down, it says, At midnight a cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. All the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. This is a clear instruction that my faith the oil that I have in my lamp is not enough for that of my family or my friends. For anyone here today who believes that they can rely on their father's faith, on their mother's faith, or their friends, by the amount of attendance they do, by any other areas in their, in their walk that they think um, um, covers the relationship that they should be having with God, then I'm afraid you are mistaken. And this is a, a, a nice encouragement for us in our own Christian families. 
This is something that we should be encouraging our, our brothers and our sisters and our children. You know, I'm sorry, but the oil that I have in my lamp, the lamp that I carry, the oil that's within that is not enough to feed yours. You need to find your own oil. You need to make sure that your lamp is constantly topped up. You need to have a constant relationship with Jesus. You need to be fully dependent on our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you look at the parable of the ten bridesmaids, initially that could have looked like quite a comfortable, quite a, a soft and encouraging, which it is, parable. But there's some real hard teachings in there. There's some points in here that need to be told. Okay, as we, as we move on. But while they were on their way, to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others came. They, knocking on the door, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. This is serious. Okay. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is a serious point that I'm getting through to you this morning. Jesus could return while we're sitting here today. While we're sitting here right now, that cry could ring out. That sign in the sky, in the heavens above, could happen right here and now. And I want to ask you that question. Are you prepared for that? Are you walking around this morning with an empty lamp? Is your lamp just flickering and spluttering and spitting? Is it about to die? Have you got a, a backup supply? Are you topped up with oil? You know, I could so easily move on and leave those last few scriptures out. But this is a really serious point, and I want to hammer this home this morning. I'm talking to myself, I'm speaking to my family, and all of you who I love this morning. What is your relationship like with God? What is your daily routines like? If that opportunity, if that... Christ returned now, and you have been told, it says it in the scriptures here, um, here's the bridegroom, you know, that is, a, that is another reference to people being told, you, you have been told, throughout scripture, you are reminded of the return, throughout scripture, you are told about the second coming, you know, it, it, it's a sad thing to say, but I think for anyone who's sitting here today, there isn't going to be any excuse. Okay? You've been told. You've been warned. That's not me giving a warning. I'm just saying that the scriptures have told you. You have been warned. You have been told. Okay? I just want to put a, uh, a picture up on the screen, if I may. Okay, this, this here is my sister's wedding. This was taken a few years ago. Um, in the run-up to the wedding... Becky said to me, you need to be prepared for this wedding that's coming up. And I said, I am. I said, I've got a blue blazer that's in the cupboard. 
I've got a shirt hanging up, I've got a pair of trousers and a shoes. I'm sorted. I've got nothing to worry about. I've had them a while, but I've hardly worn them. They'll be fine. She says to me, Grant, I think you need to try them on. Just make sure everything fits. And I said, no, honestly, I'll be fine. So we booked a hotel, two nights, the Friday and the Saturday at my sister's wedding. Becky said to me, will you put my stuff in the car? A suitcase, a smaller suitcase, and a load of clothes on a hanger. For a minute, I felt like I had to check the invoice. I'm sure we'd only booked for two nights. I said to Bex, you can't be serious about all this gear coming up, to, up, up north of us in the car. How are we all going to fit in the car? She said, I need all the stuff with me so that I'm prepared. I've tried everything on, but I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like, what the day's going to be like. I've got all my makeup in there, different shoes, a change. I said, fine. Anyway, we goes up there, we checks into the room. Friday night we stays on. The following morning, I tried on my, my clothes. Um, I, I had my shower, I got ready. This is probably about 11 o'clock. We've got a few hours before we go to the wedding. The shirt that I initially took up, I couldn't even get it close. Yeah, I put that much weight on, I couldn't even get it together. I was in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. I said, what am I going to do? I went run around asking people. Someone said to me, there's an Asda on the motorway. I said, I need a shirt. They said, go down there, it's got a clothing department. So I jumped in the car and I flew down Asda. And the shirt that I had was a 15. I thought, a 15 and a half, that'd do me. I grabbed it, paid for it, and got back. I tried it on. What a mistake. I should have got a 16. I don't think you can see properly here, but I wasn't able to eat or drink a thing the whole day. Yeah? If I moved too quickly, there would have been shirt buttons flying across the reception. Honestly, it was a really painful day. And because of me running late, Everyone else had gone to the wedding. I was late. I had to get our cab to hold on. I had to pay for that half an hour that he had to wait there. It cost me. It cost me the day as well. I was just constantly walking around, not being able to eat anything or drink anything. And no change of clothes, unlike Becky, who was well prepared. But I just want to give you an example there. My wife had prepared herself. She had taken seriously that wedding. But me... I was more concerned with getting showered and doing what men do, and that's checking out the telly in the hotel room, reviewing all the channels, commenting on how poor they are, and they haven't got anything that I like, and then deciding five minutes before the cab gets there that I might get dressed. And so, for me, it cost me. It cost me an enjoyable day, and it also cost me extra money in paying for the cab, but that's neither here nor there. But unlike us, who will fall into that category of being unprepared, who will fall into that category of not being ready on that day when Jesus returns. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you big time. Quite literally, it is a matter of life or death. For you, for your loved ones, for your friends, your families, your extended family, even those you don't get on with. Boy, I've had to pray about some things there. You know, I can evangelize to him, I witness to him, but I'm not bothering over there. You know, even those you are not getting on with, those you don't see eye to eye with. I'm sure that sometimes when we do things, the way we behave, it'll be so easily for God not to see eye to eye with us and not to accept us for who we are. 
But just in the same way, because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, we have been forgiven. God now looks at us as being righteous, as being right with him. You know, I went off notes a little bit there, but what I'm trying to say to you is, is that when you think about that consequence, that when that day comes, that it is going to cost whoever is not ready, who's not prepared, it is going to cost them dearly. Cause that to start a fire inside you. You know, I was listening to a sermon the other day and the guy entitled it, Where is your fire? It was a really uplifting, uplifting sermon. And he was talking about how we should all have a fire inside of us. Not, to just, not just to be comfortable with addressing our own faith, our own walk, our own preparation, whether we are um, putting our lives right so that we are ready when that return comes, but also our loved ones, our friends, our family, our children. We should be on fire. That is a serious consequence. Because there's only two ways that you're going. You know? You've either got an eternity in heaven as the Bible tells us, or you're destined for hell. And I don't want to go too heavy on that area. What a terrible thing that would be for any of us to end up in that place, to not be right when that return comes. So I just want to talk to you briefly about three areas that sometimes, and I'm going to just move through this quite quickly, I'm not going to stay here too long. Three areas that sometimes cause us to behave in a way that makes us unwatchful. Our lack of prayer and perseverance and our understanding of God's word. Now, there might be someone here that says, oh, it's always prayer. It's always being told to open your word. We're always being told to persevere. You know, I was having a conversation with John Clark the other night and through speaking to other church workers, leaders and pastors, I've come to that understanding that anyone, and I've asked this question lots of times, and my brother John said he's experienced experiences with people who have come out of recovery and come into the church. Anyone who is soaked in prayer, anyone who soaks themselves in the word of God, Anyone who starts in small ways or, or for others bigger ways to get a real understanding of what God's word is saying to you, even in your struggles, you will overcome situations. Even in serious struggles, we're talking death, we're talking addiction, we're talking breakdowns, we're talking depression. I know from John's experience, he was telling me that anyone who comes out of those 12 steps recovery or out of the rooms, anyone that he's seen that is actually walking the walk, talking the talk, they seem to come out the other side. But those that say, I'm trying everything, and it's just not happening, I'm still picking up the drugs, I'm still suffering with depression, I'm still, uh, my, my marriage is still all over the place. When it comes down to the nitty-gritty and it breaks them open, and when I've spoken to people and you, you really pull back the layers, they're not soaked, they're not in prayer every day. That is not their desire first thing in the morning. Their desire is not to have a real understanding of what the Word of God is saying to them. So that is my first point to you today, is to soak yourself 
And I cry out to you today. I plead with you. I know from my own recovery, my own walk, that in these times, when I'm putting the alarm clock on half an hour earlier, in my notes it said an hour earlier, but I've got to be honest here. When I put the alarm clock on half an hour earlier, the Lord is watching me today. Um, you've got to soak yourselves. You've got to make that time. Some of us would do that for the gym. We would do that to go shopping. We would set the alarm clock to beat the rush. If we had an appointment somewhere, we would persevere. We would really tune in to make sure we are on time. Well, I'm going to give you a message of encouragement today and an instruction. Make sure you're on time every morning to seek first the kingdom of God. And as the Bible tells you, all things shall follow. The second thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is taking sin seriously. It's strange because sin is the, 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 the main thing that pulls us away, but sometimes we, we don't take it seriously. You know, I don't want to go in too much talking about people's sin this morning. But I heard a preacher say the other day that if that iPad or that iPhone is causing you to sin, or that iPad he mentioned, because of the stuff that you're looking at, don't turn it off and put it in the cupboard, stick it on eBay. Get rid of it. That is the kind of action that you should be taking towards sin. If there's friends or associates that you've got, you need to make a judgment. You need to take action. You need to cut them off. Okay? That's something that took me a long time to learn. And the last one was the hardest one for me. The phone numbers that are in your phone, these are just a couple of points. I'm talking from my own experience. I suffered with an addiction. I suffered with problems with drugs in my life. But even in my early recovery days, I still had their phone numbers in my phone. That's crazy. Get the phone numbers out of your phone. Change the phone. Do whatever you can. Take sin really seriously. Address it. If there's language that's coming out of your mouth, if there's things you can't stop looking at on the computer, if there's ways that are in you that you are causing you to be separated and therefore not watchful, go to town on it. Take it seriously. Put that right up there in your life that this is the one thing before you go shopping, before you look at purchasing anything or making anything new in your life, this is something that has to be addressed. And the third thing that I want to talk about is our faith. I know for many years, I thought I knew it all. That was my biggest problem. I would try and strike a deal with the Lord. If you put things right for me, if you sort this out, and if you do that, and by the way, I'm praying about this, please, if you answer all those things, then I can have a relationship with you. Then I will be right. The Bible instructs us to have a childlike faith. To trust and hang on every word of God. To believe in what he says. His instructions and his promises. That childlike faith means that we should be concerned when we're disconnected from the Father. When that relationship, that connection through the power of the Holy Spirit, when for whatever reason it seems like the plug's been pulled out. That childlike faith 
is having full dependency, having relying on God no matter what, the same way that a child is. I know with my children, Harper's probably not the best example. That is a terrible example to use a Harper because he does seem to does what he want when he wants, you know. And uh, it takes a lot of effort and perseverance for me and Becky to keep him in line. But Blake is a good example. If I'm not around Blake, if he can't see me, if I'm not there to give him instruction or guidance or advice, he panics, he's concerned. He needs to know where I am. What should my next move be in your eyes, Dad? What would you say is the right thing for me to do? And that is what the Bible calls and talks about as a childlike faith. So those are my points to you this morning. To firstly, persevere with prayer and the understanding of God's word. I know I hear that a lot, and I know you probably hear that a lot. But I'm asking you this morning to take the reins up on that. When you leave here today and you enjoy your time with your family members, as the day closes, I want you to remember this message. I want you to remember these words that I'm telling you this morning. Perseverance. Be committed each and every morning. The Lord is not looking for massive chunks initially. He's asking you just to make some time for him. Change that alarm clock. Move things around. Take out things that are really of no concern to you that one day will fall away. Persevere in prayer and understanding of God's word. The second thing I mentioned was taking sin seriously. I'm telling you this morning, go to town on your sin. Take it to him in prayer. Confess it. Lay it out all before him. The enemy would like you to keep that inside. Keep it closed. Don't tell anyone. But I'm telling you this morning, be wise. Go and speak to a brother or a sister. Have discernment. Find someone and, and, and speak to them. They may be able to encourage you about stuff that's going on in your life. Lay it before our Father in heaven. And finally, I spoke about having a childlike faith. A faith that is fully dependent on God. A faith that doesn't think, I know it all. I'm going to do most of it my way. But when things don't go right, then I'm going to change it. Then I'm going to speak to God. Be fully dependent. I know that I've heard Jerry say before, be plugged in. You know, some of us live by grace through faith. Because of our faith that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, we receive a grace. And that is my prayer at the moment, for, for not only for me, but for all of us, that we receive God's grace in abundance so that we may come to know him more, so that we may serve him in a better and, and more powerful way. Others are dead in their sins. It's a sad teaching, but some are. Don't allow your hearts to be hardened. Do not shade your heart from the warmth of God's love. I plead with you this morning. If there ever comes a time in your life when you need to make a change, that January gym membership, 
those payments that are coming out of your account that you think I need to get them sorted, they're really unnecessary. You know, the relationship that you have with a family member, I think I can say with honesty in my heart that this supersedes every one of them. If there's a change that you need to make in your life this morning, then make sure that your life is right with God. You see, when Jesus returns, another, another harder teaching, there will be blessings when he returns, but there will also be punishment. Some of us set our heart on the things above. Some of us set our heart on the affections and the desires of God. But sadly, some of us do not. And I just want to ask you that question again this morning. Where is your heart this morning? Where is your life? Are you a professor of faith? Or are you a possessor of faith? That is the question this morning. And when you leave here today, my prayer this morning, and we will pray that when we close, my prayer this morning is that if you fall into that category of those five virgins who are, to bring it into the modern day, are walking the walk, are talking the talk, have got the Bible under the arm, have got the Christian chat and prayer off to a T, and from the outside they look like they got it all going on. But if you fall into the category of that five, that when that door closes and they knock, this is not like for those who maybe were drinkers back in the day, that when you used to knock up at a pub and the door was closed and you'd say, come on, any chance of another one or a late one, let us in, and the governor would open the door. This is nothing like that. When that door closes, that door closes. If Jesus returns in the next five minutes, once that door is closed, that door is closed. That is it, forever and ever and ever. You will not get another chance. So, brothers and sisters, I close with that statement. Where is your life today? And where will you be when Jesus returns? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for speaking to me and all of my brothers and sisters here today. I do pray, Father, that this message, as, the, as a seed is tossed out, Lord, I do pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would water it, that you would cause it to grow in all of our hearts and our minds, that we would not get pulled away with these celebrations of... Um, uh, 
that it would not get um, discarded with the celebrations today of Mother's Day and Mother in Sunday, Lord, although that be a, a blessing to mothers, and rightly so, Lord, a day where we should celebrate our, our mothers and our, our loved ones, Lord. But we do pray that this message, Father God, would take hold, that it would grab on to our hearts and minds, Lord. And like we said a minute ago, that, that seed that's been tossed out there today, that you would continue to water it, not just today, Father, but over the coming hours, days and weeks, Lord. You would water that message and you would cause it to grow. I pray that every one of my brothers and sisters today will be truly touched by your word. Father, remind us, which five are we, Lord, are we referred to? Are we those that are sincere and true? Or are we insincere, Father God? Are we false? Are we just riding along saying, soon I'll sort that out. One day I'll get right. Let me just spend a little bit more time over here and then I'm going to put it right. Father God, remind us as a church, remind us as a, as a fellowship today, Father God, that your return, no one knoweth the day nor the hour. So cause us, Lord, to be active. Cause us to take it seriously, Father God, we pray. And cause us, Father, to come to know you, to come to know Jesus in ways we never thought possible. Thank you for this time today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.